one step in this long progress. It's been a team effort by us all the way. We're but part of the whole team that's worked so hard. The shuttle era will come to an end. But they won't stop inspiring, and they won't stop being a part of the fabric of America. We choose to go to the moon. Another episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space episode 516 for the week of Monday, May 20th, 2013. I'm Sawyer Rosenstein. Now, supposed to be joining me tonight was our regular guest of panelists. However, Mark Ratterman had some other personal items to take care of. Gene McCulka is currently under the weather, hoping he's feeling a little better. And I, myself, Sawyer Rosenstein, am currently traveling on the road to get some interesting stories for you next time. So, our regularly scheduled episode is not as regularly scheduled as we were hoping this week. And of course, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know that we like to jokingly call our show the Space Chunk Podcast on top of Talking Space. So Mark Ratterman, in his knowing that he would be absent, recorded a special segment for today's show, and rather than let that go to waste, we figured let's keep the theme of the Space Chunk Podcast and we will play Mark's short segment for you, about the topic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this very special interview. I'm going to introduce my guest for this short segment by reading the first five sentences of a blog that this individual recently posted. In our everyday lives, we take many things for granted. We use car navigation systems, we check the weather forecast, we watch TV without being aware that we are using devices that are located in space. How would we feel if all these amenities would suddenly become less reliable or even worse, completely disappear. The bad news is, this is not a hypothetical scenario. It is certain. The good news is, we can still do something about it if we act now. My guest is Eine Freundin aus Deutschland, and that's as far as I'm going to go with my German, but my guest is Alex von Eckertsberg from Germany, and she talked with me previously on a show we released last December. Alex, welcome back to Talking Space. Hi, Mark. Good to hear you again. Well, I have to tell you, by accident, sometimes I find things on uh, online that are going on, and what I found really intrigued me, and it was a reference that you made to a post that you had just put up on the blog that I read the beginning of, and it made me realize that I had completely missed a very significant event, and that was the 6th European Conference on Space Degree. It was in Darmstadt, Germany. Uh, April 25th, 2013, and uh, you were there, am I right? Yeah, that's true. So it was a big conference uh, on space debris, um, but it uh, wasn't just European people there. It's actually an international conference. I guess it's just called European because it took place in Europe. So there were um, American people there, there were Russian people there, Japanese, and all over the place. So um, this was really a, a big event. I, th- I would say probably the most important of its, its sort. How many days? Was it a couple of days uh, that the event went on? 
Mm-hmm. It was it was four days, and it actually really covered um, all the topics that you could possibly, uh, yeah, have when when it comes to to space debris. It was uh, it it the people were talking about shielding and um, risk assessment, and also uh, mitigation, uh, space debris mitigation, and, and also remediation, and also gave an overview of uh, the possible uh, technologies or the technologies that are actually. Uh, looking into and in the future and uh, doing research on which would be uh, the best measures to actually uh, get rid of space debris that is already out there so that was really really interesting and gave me a really good overview because I when I came there I knew nothing really about that topic I just thought well that's very interesting and um, I asked if I, I could attend and I, I was attending as press uh, and I could attend all the sessions all the technical sessions which was really really great and I really was there uh, the full four days and it was uh, a lot of fun and also really uh, yeah I, I learned so much it's incredible just in these uh, short short uh, few days so it's really nice it's it's hard to imagine it sounds kind of like uh, you were a person who did not know how to swim and you were just thrown in the deep end of the pool <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course uh, some of the talks um i couldn't really follow into very detail since it's uh, very specific on i don't know radar tracking technology which i have no i mean i have an engineering background but i know no background in uh, in in this sort of uh, topic so uh, at some point uh, into the talks uh, they lost me but uh, nonetheless i understood enough to actually get a a good picture on what what is going on out there, and and um, that it, uh, the space debris is actually a real problem, and uh, that it's necessary that uh, we act now in order to prevent bigger problems. Now you mentioned in your blog that uh, starting with the spaceflight era, that there have been close to five thousand launches, and that uh, how how much stuff do we think is still up there? And let's let's talk about what's there. What is this hazard? So when you mentioned the close to 5,000 launches that had taken place, uh, these 5,000 launches uh, only shot about 6,500 uh, 6, satellites into orbit. But the problem is not these objects that are there um, as uh, complete pieces. The problem is uh, that, first of all, when you launch these things, you have upper stages that are still floating around in orbit. You have um, uh, you have pieces that um, just explode because you you have remaining uh, fuel on board, and these explosions create a uh, lot of other pieces that are a little smaller. But uh, s- still, uh, there's many many of them. Plus, the more objects you have, the higher the risk of collision gets. And in fact, this is what what happens uh, already. Uh, several times in the past and this is the actual problem why so many additional objects have have been created in space for example uh, there there was one uh, collision of an iridium and a cosmos satellite uh, which which created an additional 2,000 pieces only that one collision so when when we talk about uh, this space debris uh, we have to distinguish in the the sizes so for at the moment, uh, what what has been been tracked pieces that are greater or bigger than ten centimeters in diameter, we have around seventeen thousand objects uh, in space, and the number of the pieces that are between one centimeter and ten centimeters is 
way higher. We're talking on the order of 700,000. And the pieces that are smaller than one centimeter, you cannot even count. It's it's tens of millions of pieces that are racing around the Earth at uh, incredible speeds. And when they encounter each other, you cannot imagine the the, the force and the impulse that and, and the, the damage that this can do uh, to any other functioning spacecraft that is still out there. So this is a real a real threat to the operational satellites that are still up there. You know, I'll draw a parallel just for I think probably many of us can relate to. Uh, every now and then, driving in the city, I see intersections that glitter, and that glitter is debris from a couple of cars <laughs> running into each other at, at you know low speeds and here we're talking uh, closing velocities of uh, 40,000 kilometers an hour and an, an immense kinetic and, and energy that's that's involved with these you've got some graphics that, that you put on this post that show uh, some of the relative heights of the orbits of, of objects and how does that figure into it? Because uh, I think of something in space as just being in this general area of space, but I forget. There's geosynchronous orbits, there's low-Earth orbits, and, and how does that complicate the mix? What are our worries there? Yeah, so the most of the parts that we're talking about here um, actually are in low-Earth orbit, so we're talking about altitudes below 2,000 kilometers. And um, at about an altitude of 800 kilometers, we have a lot of mass, a lot of uh, a lot of satellites that are using these orbits. Uh, many of them are in in sun synchronous orbits, and uh, they're in polar orbits. And uh, these orbits, of course, because not every satellite is orbiting at the same longitude, they they intersect uh, basically. <laughs> at the poles and this is that where you have the highest density and this is also uh where the highest collision risk exists which is also by the way where these two satellites that i just mentioned previously uh collided and created that big debris and this debris cloud is spreading but uh, we have um we have the distribution of of uh number of objects and, and mass um, over low Earth orbit with peaks, uh, as I mentioned, at 800 and I think also at 1,400 kilometers. Um, so uh, this is basically the altitudes that we should be focusing on if we want to prevent this cascading effect, which is actually known as the, the, the Kessler syndrome. Um, in order to prevent, in order pre to prevent that from growing, and uh, we also have some objects, of course, uh, in geostationary object, uh, but not many, not as many objects. I think only eight percent of uh, the the orbiting uh, objects are in geostationary objects. Although they, these are the, the, all the telecommunication satellites, and they they represent a fairly big portion of the mass and in fact it's only eight percent of the objects but it's uh, over 30 percent of the mass that it's orbiting there but uh what we really have to worry about uh, for the moment um is is the lower altitudes uh where we have these these many objects in order to prevent generating even more smaller uh objects that present a bigger risk also, not only to other satellites, but also to the International Space Station, which is, of course, in a bit lower orbit. But still, there's pieces floating around everywhere, and it's pretty scary, in fact. I'm surprised with every, every component of this subject that you bring up. 
when you talk about the the Kessler syndrome and this cascading collisions, when they brought that up at the conference, how how long did it take you to get really concerned and and uh, and fearful that we were already past a point of no return? And let's talk about that point of no return. Yeah, well, actually, that was already uh, brought up in in the opening speech, um, and also ESA prepared uh, a nice a nice video uh, on that subject, which you can uh, of course look up at the the ESA uh, website, Space and Videos, and um, it's clear that the, today the critical mass has already been reached, meaning that even if we would stop. Uh, launching objects into space, this cascading effect, this cascading effect will continue uh, to to grow and produce more pieces. The only way we can stop that um, the number of objects will will grow in in the future is if we start removing objects from space now, and preferably those which present the biggest risks of creating even more pieces of debris but that again is not uh not a very very simple task picking these objects and uh and getting there and bringing them down and preferably in a controlled manner uh this is this is really a big big challenge i was kind of surprised at some point uh, in the last couple years maybe that i i remember hearing that the idea of decommissioning a satellite involved putting it into a higher orbit and essentially turning it off where it would be a piece of of dead uh you know dead technology uh, but I, I guess that just delays it doesn't it yeah well i'm also uh i also prefer to take care of problems <laughs> uh, when they appear and not postpone them um but with uh debris in in certain orbits uh at the moment it's it's more feasible uh, to to reorbit them instead of deorbiting them um since from an energetic point of view it's just it's just doesn't make sense but for objects that are um in an altitude of around 800 kilometers it's better um to actually bring them down to an altitude of around 600 kilometers because in an altitude of about 600 kilometers, the lifetime of those objects due to the increasing density of the atmosphere uh, will only be around uh, 25 years. So, in fact, this is also what uh, the mitigation measures um, that should be in place already by, by today uh, this, um, they require that every spacecraft that is launched um, will retain enough fuel that it can be deorbited to um, an altitude that is uh, low enough such that the natural lifetime will be only 25, 25 years. But the problem is, the higher you go, this this uh, this is actually an, an exponential um, increase since when you go to 800 kilometers, uh, the lifetime is already uh, 200 years. And even if you go further up, we're talking about thousands of years. So um, anything that is, is beyond 1000 kilometers um, cannot really, it doesn't really make sense to bring down because you need uh, so much fuel to bring it down to an altitude where it actually would deorbit uh, by itself in the next 25 years. But of course, in these lower orbits, when you bring those objects down still uh, and, and you just leave them to themselves, uh, every time then you will have an uncontrolled reentry. And for some of the bigger pieces, this uh, this is probably not such a good idea because anything that is greater than 
uh, one ton or so uh, actually will n most likely not burn up entirely in the atmosphere and there's uh, still a chance that it might hit somewhere on the ground and might even hit somebody on the ground although chances of course are, are very low so and uh, many people aren't in favor of uh, the controlled deorbiting uh, but it's it's not really feasible to do that for every piece of debris that's up there so we have to think of, of other ways and one of them is deorbiting to lower altitudes and just let those uh, objects fl float around until they come down by themselves somewhere well this is an incredibly uh, complex issue and I can see why the uh, conference lasted for four days so as complex as this is I'm sure that they have plans to continue these conferences and to uh, come up with some agreements to make the the future work possible, what did they did? What did they say? Is there a plan for next year? Uh, well, this this conference uh, takes place, as far as I know, every four years. Um, but there is really a need to act as quickly as possible on that. But the problem is that you need international uh, cooperation, uh, and also the the legal situation is is really complex there. Um, since uh, you cannot just go up there and, and pick any uh, piece of space debris and bring it down because uh, the responsibility for these objects remains with the launching state and probably most of, or many of the threatening really uh, to the targets that pose a risk to to other still functioning satellites might, I don't know, maybe even be military or you might not even be supposed to, to track them, uh, which of course you can. But it's from just from a legal situation, it's it's a, it's a really big problem. Um, but I mean, it's it's evident we, that we need to work together, and the the sooner uh, we start acting, uh, the better. So what we would need to do, in fact, to maintain uh, level on the number of objects of space debris objects, is we would start we would have to start removing about five to ten pieces per year. And the longer we wait, of course, the more pieces of space debris we would have to remove per year in order to maintain level. Uh, there were uh, several independent studies uh, which did simulations uh, uh, on the evolution of the population of space debris and they showed that uh, within the next if, if we do nothing um, the, the, the population will grow about 30% uh, or so in the next 200 years of, of space debris. And that is even if we would stop launching stuff into space or not really stop launching but if we would put those mitigation um, measures into place right now so this is this, this I mean this stresses the, the, the need to to actually tackle the problem right away or as quickly as possible as soon as the technologies become available or are tested enough to actually start the first mission which will still be many many years ahead well, to our listeners here on Talking Space, uh, we're just really scratching the the top of this of this subject. We're just getting started, and uh, you're going to be writing some more, uh, adding to your blog and in, in more detail about this. And uh, I'll be looking forward to when you can add to that and get back to us and talk more about it. Sure. Yeah, that would be great. I'm looking forward to this. So I also want to get into the subject in more detail, which because it's really it's really interesting and it's really uh, something that concerns us all. And I see on your blog you have some links to the uh, ESA Space Debris Office, 
and quite a number of, uh, of charts there and, and things that kind of give you a visual image. So I think people will find this quite interesting. Tell us how people can follow you, how they can learn more about this and follow you online. So uh, actually this blog on Space Debris was just the overview, was my first blog post on, on my blog, which is called uh, Sky High, skyhigh.net, but high written in H H I E, not high as in, as you would actually write it. In fact, it was funny because I, I, I looked that up uh, and I found out uh, that high written in H-I-E is actually uh, a, a verb that means uh, uh, racing or uh, going hastily into uh, uh, some direction. So um, I thought it was fitting to call it sky high uh, as H-I-E and not H-I-G-H. So um, if anybody uh, wants to see uh, what is coming up next, then you can go to my website and uh, check it out and wait for the next blog post. Oh, I've got to ask this too. There's a Space Up event coming up soon, right? Yes, it's, uh, in fact, it's next weekend. It's in, in uh, Space Up Paris. And uh, the event will be on uh, Saturday and Sunday, but there will also be... Uh, uh, an event on the Friday where people can attend and which will be uh, the kickoff event for the Ariane 6, which will be uh, very interesting, I hope. Uh, I think, I'm sure. <laughs> so we're all looking forward to that. And also we'll, I will be presenting um, something about the space debris topic uh, during Space Up Paris and Still working on uh, the presentation. I'm trying to make it a bit more interactive in in the in the space up manner. So I'm still working on it. Hopefully it will turn out good. <laughs> I'm sure it will. So people need to watch for uh, events, uh, for information on Twitter and Facebook and wherever you can learn about Space Up Paris. Mm -hmm. Follow Alex's blog at skyhigh.net. And also uh, they can follow you on Twitter at StarlingLX. That's right. And with that, thank you, Alex, for joining us again for this little short intro on Space Debris with Talking Space. Thanks, Mark. It was fun talking to you. Once again, thank you very much, Alex, for coming on the show and talking to Mark. And of course, as always, thank you as well to Mark Ratterman for getting us that little interview. And if you want to know a little bit more about Alex, the link to her blog is in the show notes. So with that, that brings this relatively short episode to its conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. And be prepared next week, although it is a holiday approaching in the United States, we will have something very special for you, whether it be an episode or a little surprise that I may get for you guys next week. But regardless, we will be back sometime in the near future, and we hope you will too. But until then, as always, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be, where you are.